welcome to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. And uh, good morning, gentlemen. Morning, sir. Good morning. How are we doing this fine Saturday? Good. Uh, now, I know that one thing, so uh, we have a, a female friend who's going to be a guest next week, and we have some really big um, uh, news about women in sports today, too, to get into. Um, and then, you know, it does appear that COVID is um, rampaging like never before, new records. And so it's a legitimate thing for us to discuss how that may uh, interrupt the uh, winter season. Uh, the, the Ivy League, which is always kind of a leader, um, has already canceled all its winter sports. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they were the first last year. Uh, we all remember March, at least for us here in, in Massachusetts, it was March 13th when the Matt, world... didn't you feel like we were going to go down for a couple of weeks? Then? Did I at, at that point? Yeah, at that point, that's what I figured. A couple yeah. of weeks and we'll be Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember, Daryl, I, I couldn't have been more wrong talking to you. I remember... <laughs> You know, those first few weeks, Daryl, we still were in the studio together and, and we were so right. And, and, and actually, you know, I think I, we only did one in the studio, and then you sort of realized that it might be better. I think we well, only did one. Line. I think we did, it, I, I think we did one. Yeah, it, it was yeah. A, a, a few at, at most, but then, you know, I kind of thought, oh, you know, your health was more of a risk than mine, and, and right. I didn't put you in that. Um, but I remember thinking, oh, you know, they should. Could they still do the Olympics? And, and you know, um, I don't think in March, you could have never told, convinced me that we would be here nine months later. In, but, um, in like way worse than the summer. I mean, and we're not yeah. even peaking yet. We could be over 200,000 cases um, a day soon. You yeah. Know? When, I, even during the summer, I think we only got up to 60,000 or something before. This is like new, uncharted, and frightening things. You know and what it is, thing too, is though, it... A, a few things. I, I want to go back. You, you mentioned the Ivy League, and they were the first team to, with, to, to withdraw or cancel March Madness, and, and all other conferences followed. That's true. That's I don't right. necessarily I, – I've been wrong before about how all this is handled, <laughs> but I don't know if – other conferences are going to be so quick to follow suit. The Ivy League already basically canceled their basketball season. Um, and, and, and not just that. And I think hockey too, right? Winter, yeah, I think they winter, said all winter sports. Winter sports. Um, but again, because schools, you know, football is such a, a huge part in a lot of schools' uh, athletic budget that's taken a hit, you know, schools do depend. It is, it, it is a business. Uh, I, I, as much as I hate it, it is Absolutely. about money and it is about revenue. So I wonder, it'll be interesting to see how other conferences handle basketball. And, and like I, I said, you know, could you put conferences in a bubble? Could you say, Hey, if all kids are learning remote anyway on college campuses, why can't you take half a dozen A-10 teams and put them in a bubble and another half a dozen A-10 teams, put them in a bubble and they're all learning. Well, I think that the anyway. A-10 is um, flirting with some, they're basically going to have an 18 game schedule just playing the A-10. 
Uh, UMass is going to be in a preseason tournament, uh, which is going to be in Springfield and Hartford, I think, or something, Mohegan, or maybe just Hartford. Mohegan. Mohegan. Yeah. And uh, so I think and they're, they're talking about playing two games in a row. But of course, that would be that would give one team home advantage. Although, <laughs> what exactly is home advantage these days? Yeah. But uh, let's let our uh, intrepid reporter from the West Coast, the Left Coast, uh, bring us up to speed on uh, how are things out there where where the uh, time is so different. <laughs> It's 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 definitely too early to be putting sentences together, but somehow I'm on my, I'm on <laughs> my second, great job, Joe. You do I'm a great on, job. I'm on my second iced tea, so hopefully I won't have to take a little bathroom break. But anyway, <laughs> I think you know it's funny, Matt. We said the same thing in the fall when the Ivy League canceled football. Well, now the bigger conferences won't. There's too much money at stake. But um, you know, as it turned out, they ended up reversing course. They canceled and then uncanceled the season so i you know i think you're both right there's too much money in college basketball and they missed they missed a tournament which is where all of big the, money big money big watcher a couple billion dollars that thing brings in and that that funds all these smaller programs and these smaller conferences so i think whatever happens they'll get they'll figure out a way to play 10 12 games i think you know the conference bubbles are a good idea i know there's they're going to do this little preseason cluster thing which seems like a safer way to do things than having students you know fly from campus to campus but i think you know it's just so much easier to justify the pro leagues trying to do you know do the see all the stops the nfl is pulling out to try and finish the season it's it's so much easier to justify that because those are professionals and they've chosen that path and they make millions of dollars. And they have health insurance and the players only have health insurance as long as they're on the team. Right. You know, if they, they break their ankle and they're off the team, uh, I do believe that their health insurance goes with that too. And um, we just, we just got a, another four week lockdown in, in Multnomah County where I live and two weeks in the rest of the state. And even I, if I go 15 minutes across the border to Washington, I'm supposed to quarantine for two weeks now. So California, Washington, and Oregon, we've just locked everything down again, but they're, you know, they close bars and restaurants to everything, but takeout, but they're leaving schools open. You know, they close gyms, but parks are open. So it's just, it's this arbitrary. And Matt and I were talking a little bit about this before you came on, Daryl, the, this, this closing things for two weeks at a time, is just it's not doing anyone any good and i think despite the fact that that schools haven't been super spreader environments in themselves i feel like we just need to to shut down everything for six weeks and the problem is and we talked about this last week too is the holidays are coming up and you it's you have a hard time convincing people to not have thanksgiving dinner with a dozen people or 15 people or do their traditional christmas you know, gift exchanges and then dinners and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's, I made a, um, I made a uh, outdoor visit to my grandkids. And uh, as I'm leaving, you know, we wore masks, we sat outside. uh, And as I'm leaving, the little uh, one and a half year old runs up to me and is hugging my leg. And I am just crying because I can't reach down and hug him back. It's just, it's heartbreaking, you know, it's just, uh, so the problem is in the schools is that the kids really aren't the problem, 
but there are adults teaching them. And I think that's why Chicopee is closing because I think adults are coming down with COVID, not the kids so much. And, uh, you know, if it was just kids, <laughs> that'd be one thing. Well, uh, and of course, we should mention brain dead college students too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have these <laughs> which over- we all used to be. You have these uh, overlapping issues for teachers and parents. And then, you know, Matt, you're in the position of being both. And again, something we talked a little bit about before the, before we started recording, but I mean, you've got this unique situation where your own school, and at least your kids happen to be in the district where you teach, but your wife's in a different district, right? So yeah, there's, yeah. there's different decisions being made and you, know, you have to sort of balance all that. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how it, you do that right now. No, no, Matt, are both your boys uh, attending school virtually or just one of them? So, well, all right. My youngest is in preschool. So he, uh, he, he was going to go five days a week to preschool, but then uh, my older son, who's in kindergarten, when they were hybrid, we needed to hire somebody to come to our house two days a week because Jill and I are trying to work and, and we needed someone to watch them. So my youngest son only goes to preschool two days a week and then the rest he's home with us. My oldest, who is in Agawam with me where I teach, we, we were just all remote for two weeks but we are going back to school on Monday, back to our hybrid. And they are changing the hybrid schedule so that all K and first graders are going to be all in um, four and a half days a week. You mean like all 20 kids in the class are going to be there? No, um, class, the biggest class is like 13. Everybody is still six feet apart. They've had to add extra um, classrooms to what normally like. So I'm going to have four first grade classes. Normally I would have two. So they basically, the biggest class size is 13. Everybody's still six feet apart. Um, But kindergarten and first grade is going to be all in. So describe your day when your wife, also a teacher, yourself, and your kids are home. (laughs) What's it like? Who's sitting with the kindergartner while he's in virtual school? Which one of you Uh, two um, that are both teaching virtually are sitting with him and helping him? Honestly, we, we set him up. He picks which room of the house is going to be his office for the day. So we set him up with a computer um, and we are back and forth. We're, we are fortunate in the sense that we're not, Jill is a special ed teacher and I'm a phys ed teacher. So we kind of are on and off all day long, as opposed to classroom teachers who are like two hours straight through in the morning. Right. So we're not like that. So we are able to hop back and forth with Tyler. Um, luckily, it, it is our oldest. He he's likes school. Uh, if it were my youngest, we he would need more attention, <laughs> like with him at all times. Uh, He'd be distracted too much. Um, so, the hard part for us isn't. It's just like and and Joe and I were talking about this. I can't plan more than literally. 72 hours in advance um you know whether it's we're trying to get jake into his preschool more but 
we we don't we can't lose this person that's coming to our house two days a week, even though now Tyler is in school five days a week, um, because inevitably we're probably going to be sent home again, right, and, right. and we still will have to work. So it's just you know it's a nightmare, and 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 no, I, it, it, I don't need any. It, my situation is not unique in the sense that there are a lot of people trying to figure this out. And I at least, I mean, I do think we're lucky in a sense that our, my schedule is going to mimic Tyler's. Mm -hmm. And at least, you know what, I just have to figure it out at my house. But I know if I'm at work, Tyler's going to be at school. Uh, if he's sent home, I'm sent home. I don't know how families where, you know, people own their own businesses, you're, you know, uh, they work in offices, their offices are not shut down. I don't know how people do that because when kids are getting sent home, <laughs> there's still work that needs to be done. And, and that's the hard part. And I, and I can speak for the town I'm working in. I think their stance on this is just, if not now, then never. You know, if we don't get our kids into school now, then we never will because we can't sit there and say, well, let's see if numbers go down next week or let's see if numbers go down in two weeks. Numbers are not going to go down after Thanksgiving. So I understand why you might say, well, let's at least get through Thanksgiving. Life has to go on. And, and you know, I, so I don't know. I, I think that's at least our district's stance is, hey, if not now, then when? We're paying attention to numbers. If, if clusters start to happen inside the schools, then we're back home. I, I, I have to, uh, loud, well, as loudly as I can do this at 627 in the morning, but I'm going to loudly disagree with you there that we have to try to get everything back to normal now. If anything, now's the time where we need to, to just shut everything down for six weeks or eight weeks, because the problem is we tr we're trying to do this. Let's let's open up what we can and 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 leave close what we have to. And it's just led to this doubling and tripling of cases. There are more than a thousand people in this country dying every day, and we're trying to reopen. We should not be. There should not be a single move towards reopening. And I agree with you that the problem is that we've been doing this two weeks at a time, and that's why we need to nationwide shut everything down for six weeks like we did in mid-March when this first started to happen. And honestly, that includes professional sports and college sports and college campuses and elementary schools and, and bars and gyms and restaurants. It includes everything. Everyone, if everyone would just stay home for six weeks like we did in the spring, the numbers would look like they did in the spring. It would still be but, terrible and devastating, but we wouldn't be losing a thousand people a day. So but but Joe, what what did that do? It didn't get rid of it. No, so well, we we quit so, too but, soon. It, we quit too so, soon. Okay, yeah. well, that's, that's my point Indian. is, I, I kind of, I mean, I understand. I do understand what you're saying, and I do look. We we totally mishandled this. It, it is. It couldn't. We couldn't have put ourselves in a worse spot. It's so disappointing, and I, I'm extremely disappointed with how all of this has been handled. And I, I don't think there's, well, we, you know, there's no playbook for it, but like, why, if, if, if we handled things the right way, and, and I agree, you know, it, it, do, do people need to be at sporting events 
tailgating in, in parking lots? Absolutely not. Do people need to be going to the movie theaters? Absolutely not. Do people need to have malls open just so they can walk around the mall and socialize? Absolutely not. But I, I, I don't think closing everything down is the answer because it's not going to put things away. We're, and, you know, I, I think it's more important wear masks. I think it's more important social distance. I think it's more important to be responsible than it is to say, everybody shut things down. All your hard work, you know, business owners, all your hard blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it. Sorry, done, move on. Like, I, I just... I don't think that's as, the answer either. Well, that, and that's where it's responsible responsibility of our government to step in, which they have not done. Right. But how's, how's, that, how's that working out for us? How's that let's treat everyone like adults? How's that working out? Last time I checked, the numbers were triple what they were in, in April and May when we and, thought and it was. flying upward and flying yeah. upward. And, and you're right. And, and that's, yeah. where, that's where I think the mixed messages from President Trump and, and, and government is wrong. And I agree with you. It's not working out. But I think shutting every, everybody stay in your homes for six months. I just, I, Still, I, I six, six months, six, six weeks. weeks. Sorry, yeah. you're right. You're right. Four to, four to six weeks. I, so I look just, at, you look at Indiana. So in which is where my daughter. Do, do we have to? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> they, 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 uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Indiana, for our one listener in Indiana. Sorry. <laughs> no, two. Um, Cornelius um, is a professor at uh, Purdue. And Purdue is, um, well, frankly, kind of a joke. All 40,000 students are back. All classes are remote. So they're milking these kids for room and board. You know, and, and, which and is I, almost as bad as putting the college football players out with no guarantee, no pay, risking their lives. Um, so kids but, are kids are learning remotely from their dorm rooms. Yep, 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 yep. Seems you like the, love wor it. the worst of both, right? So, so and then make them come back to campus and spread it amongst themselves. Right, right, Don't and and then we, and we're going to have to talk about Notre Dame upsetting Clemson and the aftermath. Um, but the but to stay in Indiana a minute and to stay on the COVID discussion. So Indiana put a, a lockdown in March, and it stayed for six weeks or so to early May, and then in May they opened up things again. And when you look at what happened, everything stayed low. And actually, as they were reopening, things were dropping. And for a week or two after they opened, it continued to drop. And now the rates in Indiana are just, they, they're numbers that make no sense. Um, you know, and, the, I, uh, and Indiana is the same size as Massachusetts. And Massachusetts, we're having issues, but nothing compared to Indiana. Let me ask a question. And um, I am, I, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know the answer to this. Um, everything <clears throat> is, everything is, is literally a symptom. Right. I think, you know, you've got a, a runny. I'm, I'm dead. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Well, yeah, primar right. Primarily temperature and. But, uh, okay, and okay but, but the fever thing, that doesn't happen to, to everybody. That's that's the craziest right. one that that they're using body temperature at all these places. There's something like 40 percent of cases don't have a fever. Right. I didn't no. have a fever. My my temperature would creep up about a degree in the. How evening. about your blood oxygen levels? It, they were bad. They were down yeah. ninety four, ninety five percent. That's really the key one. I think yeah, to yeah. check. Yeah. 
but sorry, Matt. Yeah, continue. No, no. no. So, how what we're told as a teacher, right? If I wake up with um, a runny nose one morning, um, I'm to stay home, right? Uh, if within 24 hours that runny nose goes away, I can go back to work. If I, you know, if, if my runny nose and congestion uh, stays, I have to stay home or produce a negative test. If I have a headache, I have to produce a negative test. I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm a teacher with two <laughs> kids under six. I have a headache 24 <laughs> seven. Right, right. Um, if, if uh, I on the kids show today, I played a song that said something like, um, you know, basically, uh, you you drive me nuts to his, the parents saying to the kids, can you bother me a little bit longer? You know, it's like, you know, um. If I have a sore throat um, to get to, what, what I'm getting at is literally everything is a symptom. And if you have more than one symptom, you are told you cannot come to work unless you quarantine for 14 days uh, or produce a negative test. And so what what i see like my um i have family members who have uh, a young child and in their preschool everybody in the preschool had a runny nose anyone with young kids knows <laughs> now everybody has a runny nose right. so in order to get a test though you know he's got to schedule an appointment well they're backed up to 20, 48 hours and you know and then it takes two days for test results to even come back. So now you're, you're literally at a week of just kind of waiting for your negative test result to find out I had a runny nose. Um, and so like my question is though, because everything is a symptom and so many people are running to get tests, how much of a, like, of a strain is that putting on resources and, and, on things to where we, we can't isolate who actually is okay and so, need to stay home. Because yeah, so let's, people, let, right? yeah let, let me back up a second. So your basic point about wearing masks and social distancing, you know, if we did that would be fine. But like Joe said, the signal from the top has been, no, don't do that. Masks are, are uh, uh, it became a political issue, which is a joke beyond belief. It's, it's not a political issue, but the, um, so there will probably have to be a lockdown because we just haven't done it. We haven't done uh, what we needed to do. Well, the thing is, on a national level, I don't think we can count on that happening under Trump. So now we're waiting until the end of January for any sort of 65 action, days, wh whether and, and it's <laughs> who's counting, <laughs> whether it's whether me. it's so the or, and the thing is, Sorry to interrupt, but the okay. um, the production of masks and you know PPE should be being done by General Motors. That there's a a, a law that uh, Trump sort of used but didn't really. So in other words, we should have more tests. There shouldn't be any delay on tests, and we should be contact tracing. And there's no way people in Indiana are contact tracing. No. Well, and that's that's yeah. another political issue that you know people on the right aren't going to submit to contact tracing because it's the government trying to find out where you what you're doing and where you are and i you know i i think and again this is all, these are all arguments for just 
everyone staying home for six weeks. Then we don't have to worry about people exposing, you know, someone with a sniffle infecting someone else. And Matt, I, I agree that the, the list of symptoms is, is really broad. And it, again, these, these to me just seem like more arguments for, for shutting things down. But again, we're not going to get that on a nationwide level with who's in charge. We'll be lucky if, if he leaves a government that's not a smoldering husk in six and, but, but And the other issue is um, the CARES Act in the beginning was really good, even though people said, oh, that $600 is not good. It was great. And, but nothing's happening. And so if people are staying home but were financially comfortable, that makes it a lot easier to stay right. home. And that's sort of – so we're in a mess. We're in a mess. But let's, well, let's change the subject and talk about sports. Yeah, we've we've got some we've got some 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 positive news in sports to talk about. So yeah, that's might be. Well, let me start though with Notre time. Dame. So oh, Notre God. Dame. So <laughs> Notre Dame plays Clemson, and you know Clemson's number one. Notre Dame's number four, and the president of um, Notre Dame. I called um, my daughter-in-law's father, who's a Notre Dame grad, and he goes to most years he'll attend games in San Diego he was he had a ticket to go see him play in Dublin that game got canceled um, so he's a big fan he loves him and he said the president's pretty good not that great so the president is the one that when Barrett got uh, appointed to the Supreme Court he went to the to the uh, function there and of course there's no mask and he he came down with COVID but so he allowed a large, I'm not sure of how many students he allowed. I don't know. I think that the Notre Dame whole school has about 6,000 people. I think it's like 1,500 a class. I'm not sure about that. But so basically, though, I think he let most of the school attend the game. And it was a great game and went into overtime and Notre Dame won. And then... And they had police there, but they had a minimal police. They didn't like really jack it up, you know, which was, I mean, in retrospect, you have a, you have the number four team and you know, it's a very good team. The number one team is missing their star quarterback. There's definitely a chance for an upset there. So they could have, you know, had a, almost a military presence to keep people off the field, but they didn't 6,000 kids on the field, most without masks. But is it dangerous? Time will tell. And it might be that since they were only there for a few minutes, the police did get them off the field and it was outdoors. Maybe it wasn't a super spreader event. But what do you guys think? I, I just think it, it furthers our point that we've made quite many times that 19 year olds are stupid and they're going to act, <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't, if, if concern is for spreading the virus, it's, you know, the, the, I, I it's, it's, we shouldn't even be playing college football. That's, that's my, my, but it's, co it's going off. Um, there's very few games canceled. Relatively. I know the sec and the sec canceled four games this weekend. There, I think 10 or 11 games for this weekend have already been canceled. It's getting worse, uh, exponentially worse. It is getting worse in, in the college ranks. Um, there are more games getting canceled. You have a few head coaches that are coming down with it. Um, testing positive. Uh, Tom Izzo in, in Michigan State yeah. basketball tested positive for it. Um, it, it is, um, 
I don't, I don't know, leaking might not be the right word to use, but it is um, getting into college football. You know, the professional football seems they're, they're keep pushing along. But um, Matt, do you agree with Joe that we shouldn't be playing college football? Um, no. I'm kind of in that, in your regard there too. Although I feel guilty saying that I think we yeah, should play. Yeah, you know, I mean, and what about basketball? Basketball and hockey. They're going to be they're going to be being played when the nation will be in uncharted, dangerous COVID times. I think if anything, that what the NBA did shows us that that it can work, and I think. You know, and like Matt said earlier, it would be easy to set up conference bubbles and just have teams play in their own conference, you know, for the whole season, and, and then you know have have an NCAA tournament that's similarly, you know, in little bubbles. And I think I think the NHL. But that, but the thing is, so let's take the ACC. Boston College is in the ACC, so they've got to fly down to Duke. They got to fly down to Chapel Hill. They got to fly down to all those places. But, so even though it's a bubble, they're traveling. Well, but well I think you just, not a bubble. I think you just put them there for eight weeks. And yeah. You have, that, you have an eight week regular season. Play, right. And that nobody's talking about that presently. That's what I think should happen. Like I, I don't right. understand. Nobody's considering that right now. If, if, if college kids are sent home and are remote, you, you could in theory make, but see here, I mean, it, it, everything comes down to money. I was actually reading an article, um, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where in this one um, uh, college official was saying, like, they underestimated the cost of their football season and sports with all the testing that they're doing. It's expensive. Um, but, like, why couldn't, you tur why couldn't you turn a college campus into a bubble and host if the student body is home is remote couldn't you take Amherst, umass amherst as an example and say all right um uri men's basketball team umass men's basketball team um uh daryl give me so you know name four other teams in the a10 these six teams are going to stay at umass amherst or, or not allowed to leave campus. Leaving, yeah, you right. know, I mean, leaving campus it, will will get rid of you. You will forfeit. You will not be able to play anymore. You know, and so stay on campus. Stay in this bubble. You've got all the amenities you need on a college campus, and then you can say, "Hey, you six teams, play a few round robin. Like you know, reinvent the wheel here, and then right. Change but you know what? Where, but it's like. But reinventing the wheel is, you know, <laughs> is a tough one. I, you know, I think we should have held elementary school off till December. And then if December looks like it's going to be horrible, probably would have been till January. And I don't think that would have ruined kids' life. But anyway, reinventing the wheel doesn't happen that easily. So I'm not hearing any talk about other than that little Mohegan <laughs> Sun preseason thing. I'm not hearing, I agree. I think your idea is brilliant, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I would love to see, again, there are adults in that room that, that should be stepping forward. And, and, you know, again, we talk about, 
you know, how this, it really, I mean, that's a lot to ask of a 20 year old college basketball player, particularly a, a, a player at a smaller school or, or, you know, someone who's not going to be a pro and where, but I think you would find plenty of players willing to do that. And the coaches are going to be willing to do it because they all make $5 million a year. But <laughs> right. I think, I think if you tell the players, this is their opportunity to compete for a year, you know, for the season that they're going to have to go stay in a hotel at, at, you know, at Rutgers or some centrally located school for two months, I think they would do it. But again, we're not seeing any, we're all, everyone, everyone's only looking two weeks ahead. Like somehow things are magically going to be fixed in two weeks. And it's not, it's proven not to be the case. Here we are eight months later and we're, we're in worse shape than we were in March. And so the fact that anyone's talk about talking about doing anything other than locking themselves in their house for, for the next eight weeks is preposterous, but, but this the, fact, is, the fact that the holidays are coming up is just going to make it right. So right, we're going to, yeah. we're going to be having this conversation in two months and things are going to be twice as bad as they are now. I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. Yeah. So I hope you're wrong too, but let me just mention a few things before we get into um, the great uh, new uh, female general manager of the Marlins. But the, here, first off, Paul Hornig died. Who was a great? Oh, great I did not see that. Player. Yeah, huh. um, he was in his eighties. Um, but I and they and, and apparently I also read that the Cowboys are going to have thirty-two thousand people in their stadium. So anyway, that's just uh, I'm just well, throwing Tom, out stuff. Tom, how about out, Tommy Heinsohn? I can't believe you didn't mention that. Tommy Heinsohn, yep, yeah. yep. And and honestly, he used to drive. I you know listen to him a <laughs> lot because I love the Celtics, and he would drive me nuts. He was so the refs were always calling against the Celtics. They were so bad, but he actually really knew basketball. He you, really you knew basketball. The Homer Daryl. Oh, I, what do you <laughs> know? Hey, listen. I also have to. Hopefully, we'll run out of time before I do my mea culpa about the Red Sox. But um, <laughs> I haven't forgotten. I, I'm trying to distract you guys. Um, I just want to mention one other pet peeve because I am watching sports now. And I unfortunately have to listen to the announcers. And their misuse of statistics is just disgusting. I'm going to give you an example. So last week, the Patriots won. You could call it a football game against the Jets if you were being kind. <laughs> um, uh, but so Jake, J Jacoby Myers uh, received, had 169 yards in receiving. So here's the stat. It was the third most all-time by a player on his birthday. <laughs> Who cares? You know, like what kind of worthless stat is that? And so, you know, but you that's can't, the kind you can't of appreciate just the pure entertainment value. Oh, come on. Just the weirdness value of it? <laughs> no. Here's, a, here's what I consider a good stat. Lamar Jackson is um, – 25 and five in his first 30 games and ties Dan Marino for the best start ever. You know, wow. That I consider a good stat. Well, unfortunately, and I was, I rooted for, I loved the dolphins back in those Marino days. A uh, guy my dad went to college with was the offensive coordinator, Tom Olivadotti. And so I kind of latched onto the dolphins for a while. I loved rooting for those Marino teams, but, Never won a Super Bowl, and that's the that's the measure of a football player, right? Especially especially quarterbacks. 
Yeah, and I don't think, I know I'm, I'm probably not uh, in the majority right now, at least around my circle of friends, but I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to have the type of career that a Dan Marino have. I, I think he's going to, I don't know, I, I, I don't think Lamar Jackson's career will continue to trend up. Oh, yeah, I, no, I, 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 I disagree. I think, oh, I think he's Hall of Fame. This is, but it, it blew me away, Matt. Twenty-five and five. It is that's incredible. No, that he, is unbelievable. He, here's the thing, and Joe, like that's interesting. Lamar Jackson is a one of a kind athlete. Like I, I don't even know Michael Vick. I, I don't know of anyone who. Well, what can about Mahomes? Thing. Mahomes is even better. Well, but, than but, but, but so, but. To, like Lamar Jackson has never won a game where his team has been down 10 points or more. I did see that. I heard that. I think, I guess I watched part of their game last weekend, but. And he can't, his completion percentage outside of the numbers is awful. I don't, I don't have it off the top of my head. He, he, his skill set um, demands his team to be playing with the lead and they have to be having a strong, like, a run game. He's off the play action, and he's tight end up the middle. That's really all I, – I, I know I'm making it sound like he can't do anything else, but that's where he can dominate the game. Running the ball, play action, over the middle with the tight end. That very easily – not very easily. That can be game-planned with a good defensive scheme and good defensive players. So. Okay. When you get to the playoffs, he's going to win his fair share of regular season games. But when you get to the playoffs, look what happened last year. Tennessee, what they do? Shut him out. Done. Nothing. Yeah, okay. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, Tom, Tom Brady lost in the playoffs too. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about last week, where if you have this synergy of, of system and quarterback, they'll, they've, they've found a way to use his skills to help that team win. And I think that's where you get more out of that relationship than you would out of either unit individually. So if they, they had a different quarterback or if he was with a different team, he wouldn't be having the same success that they're having. But I think he's going to grow. It's his third year. He's going to grow. He's going to improve. He's going to get better at making reads. He's going to get better at making decisions. And the thing you can't coach is – the pure athleticism and his arm is as good as anybody's in the league. And just the fact that he's not making all the the outside throws, that's the, you ask any quarterback that went from college to the pros. And that's the single toughest thing is to throw the deep outside ball because the defensive players are all lightning fast in the NFL where, you know, you, there might be a, a defensive back or two in your conference who can break on those balls in the NFL. It's everybody who's back there. So it'll be fun to – we'll ask Michelle next week um, what her opinion is on this too. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think he's great. But I guess – I don't know. And maybe I'm, I'm just speculating. 25 and 5, Matt. 25 and no, 5. No, he's, he's going to that win his away. fair share. But what did he do his first year in the playoffs? What did he do against the Buffalo Bills? That was a laugher of a game. He did not – like, I just think when you're – when you have – it, it's a rookie it, quarterback first playoff game. I can I can forgive some mistakes. I, I'm well. It'll yeah. be interesting. It'll be I interesting to watch him. And what time. happened year two with against the Tennessee Titans? Uh, so my, I just my think, memory's not that good. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, 
his he his skill set is phenomenal. What he can do, the way he can run with the ball, he is electric. But I think if you, in order to improve on his throwing, and and I think you'd have to be asking him to change who he is. And I think that's where you get into trouble when you try to take any any player and make them what they're not. I think that's when especially quarterbacks, they second guess themselves because it doesn't come naturally to them. And you have to be able to be, are you saying Lamar Jackson does not have a good throwing arm? Is that actually what you're saying? I'm saying he he can't throw the ball outside the numbers. That's what I'm, he is play action over the middle to his tight end. He is very successful. We'll we'll have to check that out. I'm going to know. I'm just, I'm going to send you a Lamar Jackson highlight reel. Matt, his and I, you know, he, he could throw deep with anybody, anybody, and he'll he'll learn to make those outside those outside long throws. I, oh, yeah, he might, he might, and you know, I I don't know, I I just I think I I don't know, Matt. Uh, let me ask you a question. What yeah. are your top three NFL quarterbacks this year? Yes, right, not all time. Because I would have Johnny Unitas on there, and you never even heard of the guy. <laughs> um, no, I know who Johnny Unitas. So are you with, like who would I start no, with? Playing right now, playing right now. Would take my top three quarterbacks: uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Okay. So, Joe, what would you say? I'd say Mahomes, Wilson. I, I might go with Drew Brees over Rodgers, but that, that's a, is a good one too. That, yeah, that, that's a toss-up. I think. I think you know you, you've got those four kind of, uh, uh, and then you want. I know Daryl, you're going to want to slide. You're not going to like my list. You're not going to like my miss. Mahomes number one, Jackson because of just this twenty-five and five business is stuck in my craw, and then Brady. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, can can we can we at least all agree that those are the top five? And I would put okay. Brady at, at, at easily five out of those five. But. Where would you guys put Josh Allen? Whoa, he's yeah. He, well, he hasn't now. What you were saying about Jackson, though, I would really say that about Josh Allen. He has not proved himself yet over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But right. but but he sure had he's he had some good games. Yeah, they they look great this year. I you know he, yeah. I, I maybe twelve, probably in that ten to twelve. Real ten? Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, listen, I, listen, let me let me change the subject slightly. Okay, so the I did read that the Red Sox did have a a scandal. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. My volume wasn't loud enough. Say that again. <laughs> so, so I did uh, begrudgingly go back and look at the, um, you know, the Astros in 2017 and the Red Sox in 2018. Um, and it does bother me about Cora. Uh, may, more his, his Houston time than his, his um, Boston time because he was found – not involved in the JT Watkins, um, you know, video thing. And the other thing I'm going to put out, and again, yeah, I know you guys are going to eviscerate me because I'm such a homer, but I feel that the first Patriots scandal was not that big a deal. It, um, everybody was doing filming the practice. The Patriots just kept on doing it a couple days, a couple games after everyone else stopped. And I think that's sort of, this thing that the Red Sox got found guilty of was of the video f- figuring out the catcher's signals 
so that when the runner was on second base, he could send a signal to the hitter. Um, was being done Aaron. by every team. Was being done by every team. I so want to be the a Red Sox got your cat. Yeah, a bad this, one. yeah. Okay, so it's, I'm it's done. okay. It's thought, okay that you cheated. Everyone else is doing wrong, it too. Okay? <laughs> did you hear the part about I was wrong? You know, there's still that's an awful lot of stretching for a, for a man of your <laughs> years. That's... Yeah, that's like the you know what that's like the celebrity who apologizes by saying I'm sorry if someone was if offended. I offended anyone, yeah, I yeah. I know yeah. I was wrong, but here's all the yeah all the reasons why it was okay. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry now. Okay, Carol, apology accepted. I think. Okay, (laughs) I I agree. I agree. It was a pretty weak apology. (laughs) String string of words accepted. (laughs) Word salad, (laughs) like our president. Um, All right, important stuff. Well, the the biggest story of the week. We haven't talked about it yet. Right, Kim Ng. Ng. Thank you, Kim Ng. Um, long time was on, I think, the White Sox, the Yankees. Dodgers, became an assistant, became an assistant Dodgers, general, yeah. assistant GM, like in 2000. So she served her time. Um, and then worked, and it was, she was a big, she was a, big, she was a, so she's general manager of the Florida Marlins. Is it the Florida Marlins or Miami Marlins? I forget. Miami. Miami Marlins, okay. She was a league VP. She worked for Joe Torre, worked under Joe That's Torre right. for like That's 11 right. years too in the in the league right. office. This is like you could not find a more qualified person. And I really, I I love that she, you know, we, we talked about who's going to be the first woman to coach, you know, coach in the, in the major leagues or in a professional sport, a men's professional sport. I think this – the, you know, you we we're gonna expect all these arguments when it happens that oh, how could she coach a man's sport? I don't think you can. Those arguments are moot if we're talking about a general manager. This is a great move, and she is she's a, a by all accounts just a brilliant executive and so well qualified for this job. I really hope, I just really hope she's successful because if she's not, it's gonna set things back quite a bit. Well, I mean, for me, the big deal is just like uh, Kamala Harris being vice president, is that when young girls can see these two people in their position, that that says to them, "Hey, that could happen. You could be there too." It, yeah, it, it and then, I just, I mean, I think Joe, you, you, she's extremely qualified, and and you would have a hard time saying she didn't deserve this opportunity and this job. It's not, you know, this, I don't see this as a situation where she was handed anything. She was, she were, has worked extremely hard and has been extremely successful doing what she's doing. Um, and I think <clears throat> it's good that she's in the market that she's in, uh, in Miami, where expectations are different than a Yankees or a Red Sox manager because I would like to hope that her success or lack of success would set other women back too. Um, you know, there are, um, well, what I mean is GMs are bad all over the place in any sense. Right, but wait a minute, but GMs are bad and then they get rehired by another team. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Coaches are That's bad, saying. and they get rehired by another team. That's what I'm saying. And so you don't look at, at like 
you know, you don't look at a GM who's bad and say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to hire another male, you know, so, and, and you're right, they so get you, rehired. So I'm hope I'm hopeful expectations are, are, you know, it's Miami expectations are what they are. So even if, look, if the team doesn't win right away, it's not her fault, you know, so I'm hoping that it doesn't, it's not a situation where she was bad. Look, I told you women can't do this. I think that's that would be the wrong way to to look at it. Does that stop at hope, though? In other words, I hope that will happen, too. I don't think it's going to happen. I think if she's not pretty much immediately successful to some degree, you know, I'm not talking about winning three World Series in three years, but, you know, if they're, you know, if they win 42% of their games next year, people are going to want her fired. And I just, I feel like she's going to have a, a, less leeway than any man would in the same position. Uh, again, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you and hoping that we're wrong. Yeah, maybe, but, but you could, you could go back to the argument that you often see that only people that have played the game can, um, can coach it, um, can manage it. And, you know, and, and that's pretty well been proven not to be true. Well, she, but um, she's, so not, I, she's not going to be on the field and she was, she, she and was, I think but she also was a softball player. I forget where, but played major college softball. Was right. a was a great and, player. And and also one thing that she's really done is get a young woman involved in in sports and in softball. She's yeah. been really an ambassador for that. So and, and that's um, I, I think she's going to be successful. Um, more just by being there than necessarily her one loss record. If in five years if Miami's uh, winning 30% of their game, then, you know, she wasn't successful. But I hope that I, this is a monumental move. This is the first female general manager of a major sports team. And what surprised me, she's the first Asian American general manager in baseball history. That was, mm. that was almost equally as shocking, but. And I, you know, the other thing is Derek Jeter is the first, um, general uh, ceo Owner. that is uh, uh african-american yeah and i so, I, I think what i again what we'd like to see and what we expect to see are are two different things the one thing that she has in her favor is that they may be a small market team but they've had some tremendous success they've won world series with with really, really cheap payrolls. So they won two world series, didn't they? Yeah. So the, the yeah, infrastructure so. is there, the, the scouting yeah. is there, the things that she needs to be successful are there. And I just, I would love to see them contend next year again. And, and, you know, and maybe we could stop having, having to have this argument. Yeah. I think as a coach, I think it would be more imperative to have that quick, immediate success. Um, because I do, you know, but, but as the GM, you're kind of, you, you, yes, you put the team together, but then you're a little bit more of a hands-off than a coach to directly impact wins and losses. So hopefully, you know, if she doesn't have the immediate success, she's given the same opportunities as other GMs who fail <laughs> all over the place. Well, you know? listen now, um, in the spirit of diversity, I believe we should give Joe a little chance to talk about yawn auto racing i'm sorry did i yawn i'm sorry <laughs> again <laughs> because I'll, I'll... honestly i used to have this problem i didn't accept golfers as athletes i didn't accept race car 
drivers as athletes. I've grown. I understand that they're athletes. So if you want to give us a little news in our last four minutes, feel free to. Well, a little bit of news, and this just should interest you as a basketball fan. Uh, Michael Jordan formed a racing team along with Denny Hamlin, who's one of the more veteran drivers in NASCAR. And they're going to have Bubba Wallace, who's the only black man in NASCAR. There are two black drivers in auto racing and among the three major circuits. One of them is Bubba Wallace, who we all know. We all have heard his name from all the, the activism he, he engaged in during this, this past season. The other guy is Lewis Hamilton in formula one, who is, is breaking records for you know, breaking Michael Schumacher's records for being the most successful driver in history. And huh. it just sort of leads back to, you know, Bubba Wallace took a car, a team that was back of the pack and got him in, in auto racing. This is why I can sort of understand your argument that the, at least your thought, your, your incorrect thought that they were not athletes because <laughs> so much, so much is dependent on the machine. Right. If you have a good car, you can be more successful. And, the, and I guess the team that changes the tires and all right, that. Right, right. And, yeah. and Wallace had a crappy car and got it to the middle of the field. So to see what they can do with a with – a, so that Michael Jordan is, is going to be the team owner along with Denny Hamlin, and they're going to employ Wallace as their driver, and they've made a deal with one of the bigger teams in NASCAR to use their technology. So they're not going to be – you know, you see a lot of these single car independent teams struggle because they don't have the the research, they don't have the the parts inventory, they don't have the the resources to compete with the bigger teams. He's going to have all that next year, so I'm really curious to see what he can do. And you know, this is the second uh, North Carolina basketball player, Brad Darty, is a team owner as well, and I think. Uh. I, I think it's it, it's helping kind of mainstream the sport a little bit. Yeah. I wish yep. it wasn't NASCAR though, because NASCAR is the most boring racing. It really is. There, it, there's, sometimes it's demolition derby. Sometimes it's just a like a drafting competition. So I will I will when when all three racing seasons are done, uh, Formula One's the only one that's still going. Um, I'll pick out the best race of the year and I will send you a link to it, and you can you can get hooked. <laughs> All right. So what are we going to be watching in sports uh, in, in the upcoming weeks? The Giants. The so what's Giants, the Giants record? Ladies and gentlemen, if they beat the Eagles this weekend, oh God. Oh God. <laughs> they are in the playoff hunt. Oh, my God. <laughs> can, no, can, wait a minute. Is, can this, just... is this the division where everybody's under 500? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's right fine. now. Sure. <laughs> Philly is what three, four, and one atop the NFC East. <laughs> Giants at two and seven. If and, uh, hey, but I I will say this: uh, all <clears throat> NFL insiders and and I'm obviously as a Giant fan, I pay attention to this. They are very high on Joe Judge and he yeah. is changing the culture and it and it's taken time and and as even as a fan I can say I'm watching these games and at least hey they're two and seven but they're fighting. And now how about the quarterback Jones, the guy that you hated at. last year? You still What's hate Dan, do you still hate Daniel Jones? I hate the draft pick. I but hate no 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 the player the player. I never hated the player. Okay, I, I so you're okay with him as a player. 
I, I don't know if he is a franchise quarterback. There, See, I respect, I respect the fact that he was taken in the first round. I, I always think that some of Belichick's good draft picks were like he took this guy, Kyle Duggar, who was on nobody's radar, and he took him early, and, and the guy appears to be a really good player. So it doesn't bother me that he was picked early. They wanted a quarterback. Um, well, and, but I mean, yeah, yeah there, there's, we, maybe that's next show because I can, it, you know, he messed up. And I know we're out of time, but um, we're out of time. Let's watch so the thank, Giants. Thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus with Baker, Big D, and Joe. And we will see you next week, hopefully with a guest. Not watching so the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> Go Giants. <laughs> yeah, right.